edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, we're going to be looking at the case of Goldman Sachs International and Novo Banco, and the citation for this case is 2018 UKSC 34. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about what happens when a bank fails. In particular, we're looking at the consequences of the downfall of the Portuguese Banco Espirito Santo after it collapsed in August 2014, and its president was investigated for tax evasion. The law in this area is governed by European Union directives, more precisely the 2001 Directive on the Reorganisation and Winding Up of Credit Institutions, as amended by the 2014 European Bank Recovery and Resolution Directive. That legislation focuses on so-called resolution authorities that tend to be the central bank in any given country. For example, in the UK, the resolution authority is the Bank of England. These authorities are given a range of tools to help them reconstruct failing credit institutions, and the tool we will be focusing on is the Bridge Institution tool. Essentially, this allows a bank to be split into two brand new structures, a good bank and a bad bank. The good bank holds assets and retains certain liabilities, all in a bid to help depositors and retain a sense of continuity. Meanwhile, the bad bank is left with the toxic assets and liabilities that help towards the original bank's downfall in the first place. A good example from the UK is what happened in 2010 with Northern Rock. So, with all this in mind, the Banco de Portugal, who are the resolution authority for that country, stepped in and used the powers to create its own bad bank, and also a new good bank, called Banco Novo which imaginatively translates it from Portuguese as New Bank. It is Banco Novo we will be focusing on for the rest of this episode, as while a number of assets, rights and liabilities were transferred in August, there was an open question about what would happen to one of the debts previously owed by Banco Espirito Santo. The other party to this case, Goldman Sachs, backs a loan to Espirito Santo from the Luxembourg-based Oak Finance, worth $835 million. Part of the agreement stated that it was to be governed by English law and that the English courts were to have exclusive jurisdiction over any dispute. On the other hand, while it appears that the liability under the loan was originally transferred to Novo Banco using the Bridge Institution tool in August 2014, Article 145H2 of the Portuguese Banking Law states that a liability cannot be transferred to a bridge institution where it was owed to an organisation that held more than 2% of the original bank's share capital. Applying that to the scenario, the Portuguese central bank, Banco de Portugal, subsequently decided in December 2014 that the liability had never been transferred. The question at the heart of this case, then, is essentially what should take precedence? the Portuguese law or the jurisdiction clause in the loan agreement. At first instance, the judge looked to Article 66 of the amending 2014 directive to conclude that the debt had been transferred in August and so Novo Banco was subject to the jurisdiction clause. The case went up to the Court of Appeal, who instead relied on Article 3 of the original directive to find the question was now a matter of Portuguese law. With the case in the balance, both arguments were presented to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick it up. 
Beginning with Article 66 of the 2014 Directive, it was noted that this is quite a specific provision that only really deals with enforcement. Really, it is about ensuring that different member states work together in a cooperative manner to resolve the situation. For example, it talks about a member state providing, quote, all reasonable assistance, end quote, in this regard, but still with an eye towards this being, quote, in accordance with any applicable requirements of national law, end quote. On the other hand, Article 3 of the original directive is much more general in nature because it relates to the broadly defined reorganisation measure and directly speaks to the applicable law. Lord Sumption gave the lead judgment and delved more deeply into the purpose behind the provision. To start with, the key aim is consistency, and so when dealing with all of the assets, rights and liabilities of any financial institution, that is something that should be done within one single process. Article 3 defines that process as being the legal system of the bank's home state, and in this case that is Portugal. Even though that decision in December to not transfer the debt to Novo Banco is more of a side effect of the overall reorganisation, it is still a part of the single process and requires that same consistency provided by Article 3, so that the liabilities of the bank are not governed across multiple jurisdictions. Furthermore, Article 3 makes it clear that any reorganisation measure must be, quote, fully effective in accordance with the legislation of the home member state, end quote. In other words, the court in the UK would be under a duty to recognise and uphold the reorganisation of Banco Espirito Santo, so it makes sense that they also ought to have the same attitude towards related decisions that impact upon the management and effectiveness of that same reorganisation. The decision in December 2014 represents the Portuguese law on this matter, and so the English courts are bound to follow that and give a finding that the debt has not been transferred to Novo Banco. When thinking about this case, it is worth bearing in mind the broader case history, and in particular that these proceedings before the Supreme Court are only one part of a two-pronged approach by Goldman Sachs to get their money back. In their other case before the courts in Portugal, challenge is being made to that very same decision from December 2014 to not transfer the debt, and if that goes in their favour, it will not only prove to be worth millions of dollars, but also alter what the exact Portuguese law on this matter is, for the purposes of this decision. The twin proceedings make sense from a legal point of view, and even on a more basic level it is sensible to cover your bases, especially when dealing with such a large amount of money. Nevertheless, this comes off as more than a little desperate to anyone who examines the arguments being presented. The decision whether or not to transfer the debt could admittedly have been a little clearer, in the sense that the authorities appeared to change their minds from August to December, but in any case the decision in December does represent the correct application of Portuguese law on the matter, and any attempt to bypass that either through the English or Portuguese legal system will be difficult to prove before a court. The banking crisis of 2008 that is still a thing of recent memory was an important reminder of taking a consistent and joined up approach to these questions and that is what we see coming through in this decision as the Supreme Court steps back to respect Portuguese law over the wording of a single agreement. 
If we want to go much deeper here, the real critique is from a business point of view, where the original decision to loan a large sum of money to a bank that was clearly going down the toilet was not the smartest thing ever done by Goldman Sachs. Of course, if the debt could be transferred to Novo Banco, that would mitigate this mistake, and so we can see the real aim behind this litigation being revealed. This isn't quite the same thing as asking directly for a government bailout, but it is pretty much as close as you can get. Such a bailout would not exactly be justified in this context as Goldman Sachs are hardly in trouble and this default only represents a dip in profits, rather than anything more serious. However, while we can be critical of the bank, we should also question the nature of state intervention in banking collapses, especially when the process is geared towards favouring the state and granting it a range of powers with minimal checks. Of course the aim is to protect members of the public who use the bank, and to stop the failure of one institution turning into a much larger financial crisis. But when a bank can almost arbitrarily choose which debts it will pay back, that leads to a greater degree of uncertainty among investors. Everyone makes mistakes, and in the finance industry those mistakes are more costly than elsewhere. But if there are no consequences for banks, investment firms, or even the state itself for poor decision making, then we're only doomed to repeat those same mistakes again in the future. Well, thank you very much for listening to this episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the awesome theme music. Before I let you go, a little bit of news from me. And by the time you're listening to this, there should be a new video up on my YouTube site at youtube.com forward slash Marcus Cleaver about a course that is now available on commercial law. And this course is more than three hours long, contains a range of videos on sale of goods, agency, a lot of other things such as remedies that if you are studying commercial law will hopefully be really helpful. Um, So I would urge you to go and check that out on the YouTube channel um, to find out a little bit more. Right, I'll be back with another case next week, but for now, bye!